So hello and welcome to season three of Life from the Hive. We've had a tiny bit of a hiatus, but we are back bigger and better. So um, in order to start the new series, I actually have a co-host now, which I'm really excited about. So she's someone from our digital marketing team, someone who's quite a whiz on there, has her own radio show, is a superhero fanatic, which is tremendously exciting for me. Really excited to introduce Terry Ann. Terry, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm really, really happy to be here, Paul. Awesome stuff. And Terry, you're no stranger to Um Life from the Hive because you edited season two and I think the back end of season one for us as well, didn't you? I did, yes. So it's really really fun being able to come from, you know, editing the podcast and knowing how it's all put together to actually presenting it with you. Awesome stuff. So excited to have you on. And we are joined today by a tremendously impressive guest. So um, the person that's joining us today is a therapist, author, teacher, studied at Cambridge, trained at Oxford, is on the youth's board of the UK's National Social Mobility Charity, and in her spare time is the founder of two purpose workshops, the Purpose Workshop and One Typical Day, Eloise Skinner. Welcome to Life on the Hive. How are you? Thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, good. Delighted to have you on. I don't think I've ever introduced as an acclaimed person as yourself. So really excited to get speaking. So um, <clears throat> Eloise, can you tell us a tiny bit about your background? So what does a regular week look like for you? What are you involved in? Yeah, for sure. Um, so I started my career in law, in corporate law, and that was quite a traditional path straight out of university, studying law and then going into the city for a while to work um, in London, mostly, and then in New York for a bit as well. Awesome. And then during the pandemic, along with most other people, I sort of had a bit of an opportunity to reflect and think about, you know, what I wanted to do next. And um, I decided that I wanted to pivot out of law and try something else for a little while. Um, so I wrote a book, um, which is all about like finding purpose and meaning. And then as kind of part of that, I built up um, the Purpose Workshop, which is uh, my first business around that idea. Yeah. So now I do a little bit of writing, speaking. Um, I have a new book out this year. Um, the businesses obviously and yeah like you said teaching and really being involved in education I think is is my main kind of focus now. Oh fantastic and you mentioned a um, book that's coming out towards um, the end of the year what's it called and what's it about? Yeah I mean I'm not sure I'm not entirely sure I can say the title yet oh, okay. um, but no it's gonna be it will be a big um reveal at some point I hope um but I can tell you I think it's all about um yeah trying to find a deeper um sense of meaning and purpose in everyday life so it's staying with the same theme of purpose and finding depth in everyday life I think I've got really interested by the idea of finding um a deeper experience of your day-to-day existence so I think for a lot of us especially like the younger generations now who are have sort of come up in the age of social media everything can seem quite superficial so we're always on our phones like scrolling everything moves really fast but we don't often get to pause and really engage with like the depth of our experience every day and yeah so that was one thing I was really interested in and the book is kind of like a collection of practices to help people find that depth and layer to everyday life. 
Perfect. So for those that are interested in finding out when the book's out and a bit more about you, where can they search for this? Yeah, so uh, my website is probably, if you just put my name into Google, normally my website is comes up. And then from there, you can sign up to my newsletter, which is where I sort of announce various things. Or I'm on social media as well. Awesome stuff. Awesome stuff. So you mentioned like this seeking for like purpose during lockdown. And I think there's lots of people that could sort of relate to that. Can you break down what happened for you? Yeah, so I think, um, I mean, it would probably been, for me, it would probably been pre-existing lockdown as well. So I'd really been thinking about it for quite a long time. And I think, you know, my initial journey into purpose was more on the kind of spiritual side. So I really looked for a sense of meaning and purpose, firstly in religion. Um, and I sort of spent a year on this monastic training program um, when I was about 20, like in my mid-20s. And from there, after that, I started to explore purpose and meaning more in the therapy side. Um, So there's a branch of therapy called existential therapy, which is all about like finding meaning and purpose. It's actually fascinating. And I kind of wish like more people knew about it because I think it's one of those things that people hear it and they're like, what's that? Like never heard about existential. And it sounds a bit dramatic, like existential therapy. Um, But it's actually all about, you know, just working through these questions of meaning and purpose with a therapist in the same way that you would work with a therapist on other things. And it's a really different approach to therapy because it's not really in the spiritual field, although Mm. you can obviously have a spirituality that goes along with it. Um, But it's kind of just looking at this topic of meaning and purpose from a different angle. And I think that was the thing that I started to transition into, especially during lockdown, is maybe looking at it from this therapeutic sense and then eventually training to become an existential therapist myself. That's amazing. That's that's a crazy journey. And I mean, from somebody who I'd like to consider myself a young person, um, I hear I've heard the word existential used a lot, but only ever in the terms of existential crisis, which yeah. I think is what everybody kind of went through during lockdown. I also did and ended up having to pivot my career around and work out what I wanted to do after I graduated university, which was a whole thing in itself. Um, but how did you then um, find a way to incorporate that into education because I feel like if I'd have known a lot more about this sort of thing sooner maybe um you know not that I wouldn't have made so many mistakes because I think mistakes are completely fine but um maybe it would have helped me find my feet a bit more yeah 100% and that was kind of similar to my journey as well in that um I think I'd known about it from this existential crisis perspective. Um, But there's also on the other side of crisis, there's also existential, I guess you would call it like wellness or existential well-being, which is when you're not in a moment of existential crisis. You're just quite settled in your life and what you want to do. And I know like the word existential sounds a bit like (laughs) extreme, but it really is just this sense of like, are you happy in your life? Like, do you feel grounded? Do you feel like you know what you're doing? Are you happy in yourself, your relationships? It kind of encompasses like a broader sense of who you are and your place in the world. And like, these are the most fundamental questions you can really ask yourself. And I think for a lot of people, they seem so big that they're almost like a bit intimidating. But I think for everyone, you know, at some point you have to really look at your life, if well, if you want to, and sort of think, is this how I want to be spending my time? Is this what I want to be doing? Do I know who I am? Those kind of questions. 
And coming back to education, I think that's where it comes in really helpful, because if you can break down those questions and ask them at quite an early stage in a way that's not intimidating or doesn't feel too kind of out of reach or doesn't feel like something you have to do only when you're in crisis, but actually feels like something you can do just every day as a part of your wellness. Mm. I think that's when it becomes really interesting and accessible to any any person at any age. And I guess the way I try and see this stuff is like as part of almost like personal well-being. So I think those skills that are now being taught in schools and universities more and more of like mental health, you know, taking care of yourself, like physical self-care, but also mental um, self-care. I think the existential stuff comes along with that. So as well as do you have the tools to look after your mental health and keep yourself like, you know, productive and feeling well and like focused and all of these skills. I think there's also the skill of like, are you able to decide what to do with your life? Like decide what to do with your time. Are you able to make decisions about where you want to go and who you want to be and identity and kind of that sort of thing. With all that, Louise, when do you think like counselling and these sort of questions about happiness should start for people? Is it something that you think would happen at around the high school age? Is it something that you think should happen like after when a person's seeking a career? When would this benefit a person in your opinion? Yeah, I I generally think um, the more intensive versions of this, so like existential therapy, for example, or counselling or like one-to-one work with people on this sort of stuff, I think that generally works best when the person like is sort of looking for it because I think there are a lot of people who don't need to do this kind of like reflective work in the same way that there are a lot of people who naturally will have really good senses of like mental health and productivity and they kind of will just be quite grounded and focused um, without needing to really like have a program to work with on the other hand there are a lot of people like me who sort of get a bit stuck and need a bit of assistance I think when the person is looking for it that's normally when um something like existential therapy or working with a therapist would be really helpful. Mm-hmm. And the founders of this kind of um, field of therapy, one of whom is called um, Victor Frankl, who founded like sort of the center of this field, um, something called logotherapy. Um, his perspective was like, you know, people, people need it. Like everyone needs it. But when you come looking for it, that's when it's available to you. Like mm-hmm. you don't have to impose it on anyone necessarily. Mm-hmm. Having said that, I think there's a softer or more accessible version of this work, which is just to start asking these questions in kind of conversation and in early education, where you're working with ideas of like, not only what do you want to do for your first career, but also what do you want to do with your skill set? And like, what are your values? And what do you care about? And where do you want to spend your time? And I think this is already being taught in the form of careers education. But if you can just broaden it a little bit, not to be just about careers, but also to be about your personal like what you're able to do in the world and how you want to contribute um I think that's where this work can come in as well and how do you kind of stop that from becoming daunting for a lot of young people because I remember when I was going through careers education whether it was school or uni the one thing that I felt was that I was quite scared to answer these questions because I don't know what I'm doing. So how do you stop it from becoming quite scary? Yeah, it's a really interesting question because I think I was the same as well. And I really didn't know what I wanted to do for a long time. And my parents always laugh now that I have kind of gone into this field of work because until I was about 16, I really didn't have an interest or a passion in anything. I did a lot of things, but I didn't really know exactly what I wanted to do. Um, 
So I think the way to kind of, or one way of approaching it is just to take all of the pressure off the question and just make it like a fun, interesting thing to engage with. So instead of there having to be a result where you've come out with an answer, which I don't really think this work ever gets you to a single answer anyway, but instead of it being like, um, here's a certain set of skills or here's a certain set of steps that you can work through and then you'll get your perfect answer for life. I think just making it more of like a fun, interactive thing where it's really just about getting to know yourself in your own time, in your own way, and really just opening up the questions instead of imposing them in like a set structure. Um, yeah, making it more, more of a flexible approach. And it can be something that's really, um, that can be done like in relationship with other people as well. Like with your friends, you can start sort of talking about this, this kind of thing mm-hmm. um, with your classmates or, you know, in an education setting it can be quite a fun thing just to get to know other people as well as yourself. So it's not necessarily just a personal, a personal journey. And if we go back, you mentioned your parents and like, you've obviously mentioned the fact that you studied like corporate law. This is like a tremendously big transition. You were in the monastic community and now you're looking at supporting people. What was that transition like for you? Yeah, it was, um, really challenging actually and um I think sometimes people ask me like oh what are you most proud of and I always like recently I've started to say I think it's that taking that step of like switching from one career to another because it does feel quite um it feels like a big like risk and um I remember at the time like someone reminded me that you know it is a risk to change or like a risk to do something new but it's also a risk to sort of not do that thing if you know that it's the right step um so that was how I was trying to look at it of like you know it's a risk both ways it's a risk to know that there's something else out there and not do it and there's also a risk of doing it but which risk are you like going to take which one do you want to take more um and for me like I, I knew that I needed to at least try it and I think the pandemic for all of it's like all of the awful things that came along with it did sort of uproot my life in such a way that made it seem more possible to change my career as well because my entire lifestyle had already changed overnight so then you start thinking oh what else is changeable like what else is able like to be renegotiated and I think that ability to kind of restructure your life yeah it was um probably unique in the history of like in our generations anyway like in you know what we've experienced so yeah in answer to your question it's been difficult but I think probably less scary once like once you start doing it it's kind of the same with anything once you start doing it you just take one step after another and you wake up every day and it's another day and you just get on with it (laughs) and what skills have you taken from like the corporate law side of things that you've been able to carry over to to um you know the purpose workshop yeah I, I mean so many things I think I really credit corporate law with like being a very good like foundational career for lots of different reasons like communication negotiation critical thinking just the way you analyze and look at things and kind of solve problems um on a more specific and technical level the entire legal background is really helpful for really doing anything in the world I almost think maybe everyone should have a little bit of legal training because it's just good as a like as a person in the world negotiating a legal system to know kind of what your rights are and to be able to advocate for yourself Um, but especially when it comes to starting a business like it's just been so valuable to kind of know what business structures are and kind of not be too 
um, intimidated by like the financial side of things and you know taxes and stuff like that so yeah two levels the high level skills which are kind of um, you know yeah critical thinking problem solving advocacy and then the more technical stuff which is like knowing how to look at a balance sheet <laughs> both of those things have been really really helpful that's awesome so you've gone from that so corporate like working in a way you were looking into and now you're supporting people with potential social mobility for those that don't understand what social mobility is could you explain it for us yeah I mean it has a few definitions um I think the general definition is like the ability for people to move within sort of like class social classes within the, the scope of their lifetime so is there the ability to move up or down within a social class I think that's like that's probably the basic definition um, but then the social mobility I think commission that's part of the UK government I think they define it as you know how strongly a person's career is linked to their parents career so you know if you have a strong link between what a family has been doing for generations then you have less social mobility and you know the other way around so I think that's probably the way I would look at it is like is there enough fluidity and flexibility for each person to start their life on an equal footing with everyone else and have the same opportunities for moving wherever they want to move within the scope of their lifetime and then for their children to have that same opportunity again um that's probably how it how so, um, with social mobility the way that you've defined it we're obviously looking at people that might be from um, underprivileged backgrounds let's say with families like that what sort of structure, what sort of support do you think families like that need in order to effectively have a chance at social mobility? Yeah, I mean, it's so multi-layered. It's really hard to say like, oh, there's just this one thing. It's obviously such a, a problem that's integrated with so many other parts of life that and that it's very difficult. Even for education, the education system as a whole is limited to what it can really do without the rest of like the society and economy supporting it as well um having said that I think you know one thing that is that we see being really effective with students who come from backgrounds where there's a significant sort of obstacle to doing what they want to do whether that's like financial or you know just relationship based like family based um I think one thing that is helpful is um sort of raising like not aspirations as such, but like re- like showing the vision to all of those students that is equivalent or, you know, as powerful as the vision that students from privileged backgrounds are given. Yeah. And I think, you know, what we see a lot with children from or like students from financially secure and privileged backgrounds is that they have this sense of like, oh, I can do anything, <laughs> which they can. And that's an awesome thing for every student to have. But I think we see it less with students from the backgrounds where there's a significant obstacle. They feel like they can't, they're not entitled to pursue the same opportunities or, and I I had a similar thing with my own experience as well of not having that financial safety net. I sort of felt like, oh, am I even entitled to be changing my career? Like maybe because I have this job in corporate law, like I don't, I need to support myself. So I need to make money. So maybe I don't have the right to find a career that's like perfect for me. I just have to stay in this one that's well paid. And obviously that's like a, high level example that isn't you know particularly about social mobility as such but that's the kind of raising the landscape for all of for every child and for every student and think along with that there needs to be structural support which is comes in the form of like programs and 
you know support financial support financial aid and um, specific things that universities and corporations are now trying to do to bring more um, students who maybe wouldn't have considered those opportunities before to bring them into those environments. I definitely feel that I've had uh, like a similar kind of relationship with social mobility. I actually didn't feel like I could go to university uh, straight straight away. Um, I ended up like working in retail for a few years before buying the bullet and going, you know what? No, I'm I'm going to do this um, because my family come from a working class area of Birmingham and they all haven't either been to uni or if they have done uni, they've done like open uni. So they've worked alongside. And so I didn't actually think that I was able to take on a full time course and dedicate myself to uni. Um, For people that feel this way, um, what can people in education do to kind of improve these people's chances or um, make them feel more positively about being able to change their careers or thinking that they can do this sort of thing? Yeah, I mean, it's a really, and I think that um, your personal story, I think that's something that is a really good example of, you know, that you, I guess what we're trying to do is um, provide equal opportunities for everyone. But then if you look at everyone's individual situations, it's not just taking the student as an individual and thinking, okay, why don't you feel like you're entitled? It's because that person is within a broader system, a community, a family of people who are thinking in a certain way. And I think in order for things to change, there's probably two ways that I would look at it. One is like um, working with the individual student to figure out their family situation, to talk about it, to put it into context and to do individual work with that student to help them raise their aspirations or not even necessarily about ambitions, but just like opening up the options. So if they haven't heard it before, because, for example, if your parents didn't go to uni and um, my mum also went like the open university route. So um, I can relate to that idea of like, oh, maybe you have to keep working at the same time as like maybe you can't just take these this time out and um, pursue education. Um, So yeah just opening up all of the options that you might have not have been even aware that they were out there um because you haven't seen it before and then the second thing is um opening up the kind of opportunities that are there in terms of the programs and the support and doing the very practical stuff of like here's what's out there there is so much and the more I go into this field like the more I'm surprised how much is out there but I think it's just about getting that awareness like sharing that awareness with individual people um then after you do that initial work of like personal and then also practical I think it's about having a support system in place like even going forwards because you know you can make an intervention in someone's life and say like oh here are all your options like best of luck like go out and I'm sure you'll be successful um but without that kind of like steady support that's where things like mentoring or coaching or like you know pairing the student with another person who's like a couple of years ahead of them who's gonna help them or getting them into a program where they can have an assigned mentor or something like that. I think that's where that comes in really helpful. And some of the terms you've used there is actually language you've used on your website. So you mentioned teaching and mentoring. If you were going to define what each of those things were, how would you clarify them? Yeah, I would say mentoring maybe is a bit more personal or a bit more individual based. And it's also less, I guess, about um, imparting information or like trying to educate and more about accompaniment like I almost see a mentor as someone who maybe has done like a similar thing before or has 
a journey with elements of similarity or they relate to certain themes um, between their mentee um, and the mentor. And then they sort of accompany that person on their journey through wherever they're going to. And they're sort of there as a guide and a support system, but not necessarily trying to teach them anything directly. Um, and I've done mentoring a lot, both as a mentor and a mentee. And I find it more, um, you know, you're doing the work as the mentee mm. and the mentor is there just to kind of keep you focused and help you ask the right questions. Um, and then teaching, I would say, is more about, you know, you have something that you want to share and then you're trying to share that in whatever method is most effective. Yeah. And I think teachers, you know, make great mentors as well because they really understand the way to communicate with um, their students. And so I think there's a strong crossover as well. And so um, we can go on now to your work with uh, the Purpose Workshop. So um, what is the Purpose Workshop? What sort of things do you do? Yeah, the Purpose Workshop... Um, yeah, it's my, it was my first kind of business idea and it really was built around um, this book that I wrote called The Purpose Handbook. And in The Purpose Handbook, I sort of try and kind of in line with everything we talked about, I try and approach this question of meaning and purpose through very practical, like um, no pressure ways to kind of figure out like what your idea or your sense of purpose might be. And I normally talk about like having a sense of purpose rather than having a purpose, because I think for a lot of people, there isn't going to be a specific thing that you have forever and you just know exactly what it is and that's your purpose forever. But more of this sense of like, this is where my energy is focused, like this is what I'm good at, this is what I'm passionate about. I think that's where this work can be really valuable. Um, and then the purpose workshop was really me just trying to um, teach these concepts on a broader scale or do this work on a broader scale. So we have a couple of things. Obviously, there's the book, which is part of our resources and other things like workbooks and class plans and things to bring this stuff more into the classroom. Um, but also like workshops, online workshops, people can they're just accessible. Um, our main workshops are just accessible to download and watch online. Um, but also we go into, you know, like companies, um, schools that like work with individuals, deliver the workshops in person. And I think they are quite nice to do in person. Obviously, online teaching is great, but it's so fun when you can really see this work um, taking place in real life. And like I said before, this work can be very interactive, very fun, very engaging. It doesn't have to be, you know, too um, high pressure. Awesome. And then you've also got one typical day. What happens on there? Yeah, so this is um, my newest or my second business um, venture I guess um, we are quite early stage but it's again this idea of um, sort of figuring out what you want to do with your time in your life in your career um, so one typical day the vision is um, sort of a video platform that showcases lots of different days in the life of different career professionals um, so this was kind of linked to my workers um, so I work as an enterprise advisor for um, the mayor of London's career strategy and that's really about going into schools and talking about careers and doing things like that and through that work you know we're seeing and you know working with university students as well seeing the demand for careers education that was like fun and engaging and not like a blog or an article that you just have to sit and read but um you know opening up people's eyes to lots of different types of careers coming back to the sense of like social mobility as well showing all the careers that are possible, not just what your parents did or your grandparents or your friends' parents or whatever, but actually everything that's out there for you. And so one typical day is really like video content to help students figure out, you know, what they want to do with their time. 
Um, but at the moment, we are working with the London College of Communications to explore virtual reality. So the idea that maybe you wouldn't actually need to go into a workplace for work experience, but that you could use a headset and get an experience of what it's like to be a lawyer, banker, farmer, nurse, whatever. Yeah. 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 Awesome. So um, Eloise, you've covered like so much with us in the space of like half an hour or so. Really, really. I feel like my mind has been blown, exactly. to be honest. Exactly. I'm definitely going to be going away from this and thinking, what is my purpose? <laughs> um, not that you've caused any existential crises. You've definitely not. Um, but I have one last question before we round this off. And uh, do you have a, a story or a time where you feel like your work has really impacted um, a young person and could you tell us that story just to round us off yeah uh definitely I, I sorry for that. putting you on the spot there <laughs> yeah. no let me I mean one example one really recent example and this girl's kind of remained in my mind for a while um is that I was doing a sort of like a corporate set of workshops um a week or so ago and I was just doing like the general like purpose finding stuff and I think I'd run the workshop like five times already that day because I was doing it back to back to back with like lots of different groups and so it got to like the afternoon and I was doing my final workshop and I was kind of on autopilot a little bit of like just saying the things and like you know when you've said the things so many times in your head that you're just a bit like uh, the words sort of lose all sense of purpose and meaning themselves um but yeah, I did my final one. And then this girl came up to me afterwards and she was kind of like just really taken aback by the entire topic. And it was something that she was um, already like in her first job. So it, was, it wasn't like she had never thought about like meaning and purpose. But I think it just from what she said, um, it given her a sense of empowerment of like, actually, you can sort of life can be really exciting in a way that like you can sort of take control of what you want. And I had talked about this idea of being almost like the author of your own existence. And she said this phrase like um, gave her like chills because it was kind of like it's a different way of looking at life. And, you know, if you can take autonomy and you can take the control that you have and that you deserve over your own choices and your own career and your own life, you can start to see life in a in a different way and a way that's more creative and a way that's more personal and a way that is kind of more meaningful to you and you don't just have to follow a set path and sort of get stuck in that for the next 40 years and so that was one thing I mean I don't know if it changed her life going forwards but definitely it given her a different outlook which I think is really at the heart of this work. That's absolutely fantastic. So amazing. So Eloise, cannot thank you enough for coming on and joining us on the first episode of season three. Thanks so much for your time. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's a great, great conversation. Awesome. So if you'd like to find out more about what Eloise is doing when her book's coming out, you can find information on her on eloiseskinner.com. You can follow on the Purpose Workshop and One Typical Day. Terry, we have got episode one of season three out of the way how are you feeling i am feeling great i'm feeling really really good I'm very excited to edit this down fantastic so for listeners thank you so much for joining us we look forward to joining you more on some few on future episodes of life from the hive